The first reading is um, from Exodus 33, 12 to 23, on page 94, if you picked up one of the red Bibles out of the front. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. When the Lord came to show his glory to Moses in the next chapter, he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Uh, David in our psalm is going to call on God for mercy because he knows of his steadfast love. Thanks, Dave. Psalm 86. <clears throat> Hear, O Lord, and answer me. For I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can, can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvellous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart, that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. The arrogant are attacking me, O God. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, men without regard for you. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. 
Grant me your grant your strength to your servant, and save the son of your maid servant. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. I wonder how you react in a crisis when everything seems to go wrong and your worst fears become a reality. It might be when you get that medical diagnosis uh, that you feared. It might be when a relationship breaks down. It might be when you get revealed something that you've been trying to keep secret. It could be when you lose your job. It could be when someone you love dies. It could be a time of great doubt. How do you react in times like that? How do you react in a crisis, in a hard time? Do you pretend everything's okay and just press on? Do you rely on yourself and fight your way out? Or do you look to other people to fight your way out? Do you get angry? Do you give up on God? How do you react in a crisis, in a hard time? Some of us know how we react because we've been through hard times, many hard times. Some of us hear of the hard times, crises that people go through, and we ask that same question, how would I react? This psalm shows us how David reacted, and it's a model response, a model response of how to react in a hard time if you're a Christian, that in hard times we need to plead for God's mercy and grace, and we need to remind ourselves of who God is, of God's character. This psalm shows us how to do that, and it shows us what to do if we feel like we can't, that we're not up to it. First of all, in hard times, we're to plead for grace or mercy. Do you see, he does that again and again. Verse 1, Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I'm poor and needy. Guard my life, save me. Verse 3, Have mercy on me, for I call to you all day long. Verse 6, Hear my prayer, listen to my cry. And at the end, turn to me and have mercy on me, verse 16. Give me a sign of your goodness. He keeps on pleading again and again for God's mercy and grace. What's he pleading for? Why is he in such a crisis? Verse 2, guard my life, save me. And he's not just being melodramatic, there's this thing going on and it feels like he makes out someone's trying to kill him. Someone's trying to kill him. Verse 14, the arrogant are attacking me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life. And so he asks God again and again to protect him and to save him for deliverance. But he's asking for more than just deliverance. Verse 4, in this crisis, he's asking God for joy. And in this crisis, verse 16, he's asking God for strength. Because it's such a crisis, he is poor and needy, verse 1. And you notice he knows that he doesn't deserve God's help. He's not demanding from God. He's asking for, verse 3, for mercy, grace. Mercy is not simply, I need some help. 
It's when you know you don't deserve something. That's mercy. He doesn't deserve it, but he's bold to ask and he keeps on asking because of the relationship between him and God. He knows who he is, verse 4, I'm your servant, he says to God. And he knows who God is, verse 3, you're the Lord. In the Old Testament, whenever you see the word Lord in capital letters, it's not actually the word Lord, it's the word Yahweh, the name that God gave his people to call him. Capital letters, Lord, means Yahweh. But in verse 3, it's not that, do you see? It's normal lettering. It's the word Lord. You are the one who's in charge. You are the Almighty. You are the Lord over your servant. That's me. And so like a servant in England in olden times might have relied on the lord of the manor to protect them, like an apprentice might go to their master uh, for explanation and help, the servant goes to his lord, his God. He's poor and needy, he doesn't deserve it, but he's bold to ask because it's his God. And he knows that this God has answered him before. Verse 13, great is your love towards me. You've delivered me from the depths of the grave. Verse 17, you've helped me and comforted me. In this hard time, this desperation, this member of God's people pleaded for mercy, for grace. And he's not just any member of God's people, is he? This is a prayer. Do you see the title? That's part of the Bible. This is a prayer of David, the king. In fact, this is the only prayer in this book of the five books of the Psalms that's a prayer of David. It's, it's prominent. It's showing us how the king reacts. We don't know exactly when he was praying this, who it was who was pursuing him, but I'm pretty sure it's King Saul, wouldn't you think? Arrogant men who are pursuing him to take his life. And so he pleads for mercy. God's greatest king did the same thing, didn't he? He was attacked by arrogant men and Jesus was bold to ask for mercy because of the relationship he had with God, his Lord, his father, it says in Hebrews, he offered up prayers with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was hurt. King David pleaded for mercy. King Jesus pleaded for mercy in hard times. So do you think you should? Do you think I should we're poor and needy we don't deserve it but we have a god who's our father so how do we react in hard times we rely on ourselves we try and fix the situation we google it and find find a solution we get angry when things are not turning out the way that we want them and we're tempted to give up on god and at the end of the day when we've tried all those 14 other methods and we're lying in bed exhausted it occurs to us to pray when all else fails pray is that what you're like 
But King David and King Jesus, in hard times, pleaded for mercy. And that's exactly what we should do. Is there something that you're not pleading for mercy about? And that's exactly what you should be doing now. How do you react in hard times? First of all, we've got to plead for mercy. But not only that, in hard times, we've got to remember who God is. And to do that, we've got to remind ourselves of his character. And David does that here. God is steadfast in love and supreme in power. Do you notice amongst these pleas for mercy, verse 5, he reminds himself of God's love. You are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call on you. Again, verse 13, for great is your love toward me. What's he mean by love here? It's more than just warm feelings. The word is hesed, which means a steadfast love. The sort of love that he talks about in verse 15. See if it rings a bell. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Moses asked to see God's glory. God says, you can't see my face, but here's my glory. It's my goodness. I'm a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love. Have you had times when people have let you down? In hard times. When they said they'd be there for you, they'd stand by you, and they didn't. Have you had people who've broken their promises to you? You probably have. In fact, sometimes the hard time, the crisis, is actually because someone has let you down. That's what you're struggling with. And that is a struggle. So it's so good in hard times to remember that God will not let you down. His is a steadfast love. He will not change his mind. He will not let us down. He will not break his promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will work in all things for your good. I will hear your prayers and answer them. Can you see how good it is? God is steadfast in love. And you've got to remember that in hard times. But you know there's something even better. Something better than a God who is steadfast in love. In hard times, we've got to remind ourselves of God's supreme power. Do you see there, verse 8? Among the gods, there's none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you've made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvellous deeds. You alone are God. In David's day, there were so many gods. Every group of people had their own group of gods. And they all claimed to be powerful. But none were like the true God. There were so many powerful people, including the arrogant men trying to kill him. But David remembered there is none like God. Today there are many powerful gods, aren't they? They're all so-called gods, but none are like the true God. There are many powerful people, governments, religious groups. There could be people in your family. There could be bullies that you know. 
They're powerful and scary. There are powerful forces at play. Our society is changing. There's climate change. There's disease and death. Powerful. And we feel afraid. Rightly so. But among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. We've got to remind ourselves that God is supreme in power. You see, what? What is it that's better than a God who's steadfast in love? It's a God who's steadfast in love and supreme in power. What a wonderful combination. Sometimes it's not so much that people let us down, that they are unfaithful. They still love us, but they're just not powerful enough. They're too busy to help us. They're no longer here because they've died. Or they're simply powerless against disease and death and all the other things that are arrayed against us. But God is steadfast in love and supreme in power. You want proof of that? It's Jesus. He's the proof that God sent his son. That's his steadfast love. And his son became a man. That's powerful. And then God raised him from the dead, sent out his disciples to make disciples of all nations so that one day, verse 9, which seems preposterous when you're back in David's day 3,000 years ago, will come true. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you. Here's a God you can depend upon who's in control, who can deliver you when you plead for his mercy and who can give us joy and strength. Steadfast love, supreme power. I wonder which one of those you most need to remember in hard times. Is it steadfast love to remember that God will never forsake you? Then how about you learn verse 15? You need to know that. You, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Imagine if you had that in your head, ready to play on repeat in your hard times. Or is it that you need to know that God is supreme in power, more powerful than the people and forces against you? Well, why don't you learn verse 8? Among the gods there's none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. Imagine if you had that burned into your skull. It would enable you to plead for mercy in hard times. How are we supposed to react when things fall apart in a crisis where to plead for grace and remind ourselves of God's character and depend upon him. Do you manage to do that? I don't know about you, but I find that really hard because there are so many other things to do in a crisis, in a hard time, so many things I think I can do to fix something. And sometimes the hard time is so scary and consuming. And so it's very impressive that King David could do it when someone's trying to kill him, don't you think? And we feel like saying to David, I wish I had your faith. The great thing about this psalm, about this poem, this prayer 
is it doesn't just show us how to respond in hard times. David is actually honest about his struggle to do it. Have a look at verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. You see here what David asks for, what he's pleading for here? An undivided heart. A heart that's not two-faced, that doesn't have two parts, that's united in trusting God. What does that tell you about David? What hasn't he got? An undivided heart. That's why he's asking for one. He's got a divided heart, do you see? And that's the David we've come to know and love at the end of 1 Samuel, isn't it? He trusts God sometimes. Remember, there's the open door to walk through and kill Saul and he'll get the kingdom and live. But he trusts God. But then there's when he doesn't trust God and says, one of these days Saul will kill me in direct contradiction of God's promises. He's got a divided heart. And what do you do when you've got a divided heart and you struggle to trust God and so plead for grace and remind yourself of God's character? Do you simply pretend and carry on? In your prayers, do you leave that bit out and hope God doesn't notice? That's what we do, isn't it? No, he asks for help. He pleads for grace for that. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Do you see, he trusts God a little and would love to trust him more. Is that you? Do you trust God a little and would love to trust him more? Who can help you? God. Ask him for the grace to have an undivided heart. What are we to do in hard times, in a crisis? We're to plead for God's mercy and grace to save us and to give us joy and strength. And we're to remind ourselves of God's character. And when we struggle to do that, be honest about that and ask God for an undivided heart. That's what we're to do in hard times. But what about the rest of the time? I don't know whether you've ever been on a train. I think they don't really do it anymore. But sometimes there's a thing on the wall, a sort of a cabinet, a small cabinet, and there's something you can pull inside. And on the glass at the front of the cabinet, it says, in case of emergency, break glass. The idea is there's an emergency and there's a hammer next to it and you break the glass and you can pull the chain and the train will stop. But there's a warning. Only do it in case of emergency. Fine for improper use is in small print down the bottom, do you see? Is there a fine print down the bottom of this psalm? In case of emergency... Plead for grace and remind yourself of God's character. Just don't do it the rest of the time. Of course not. 
This is the normal Christian life, isn't it? Pleading for God's mercy and reminding and relying on God's character. That's how you start as a Christian. You realize that you've rejected God and you are in a lot of trouble without his grace. And so you ask for his grace, confident of his character and confident of the power that he's done in Jesus dying and rising again so that you can be forgiven. So you start the Christian life by pleading for grace, remembering God's character. You start that way and every day of the Christian life, that's what we do. In fact, we must do that every day of our Christian lives so that we're ready for the hard times. In the article about Ivan Lee in the Southern Cross a couple of months ago that I mentioned previously, he's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. It's a terminal cancer. How does he cope with that? How does he trust God in that with the diagnosis and all that comes with it and then with the pain of the disease and the treatment how does he manage to plead for grace and to remember God's character here's what he said the time to get to know God and really learn is when you're well because when you're really sick you're almost unable to pray No point leaving it till then, he says. But when the hard time came, my trust had been developed over many years, he says, and that prepared me for that moment. So what's his advice to you and I now? Grow your faith now. In hard times, Plead for grace and remember who God is. If you struggle to do that, then plead to God for an undivided heart to do it. But don't wait for the hard times. This is the normal Christian life and we've got to do it now to prepare for the hard times that are coming. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Please give us that undivided heart that actually trusts you completely so that each day and when the crisis comes, we can plead for mercy, confident of your goodness, as we remember your steadfast love and supreme power. Help us to encourage each other to do that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.